Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching with our mighty army, Wrexham is the name, Fearless in Devotion. Hello, thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by who, Andy? Um, oh, hang on, McDonald. No, Fat Four. Correct, absolutely right. No transfer news, but ladies and gents, we've got an interview this week with someone we've been hoping to get for quite some time. Tim, Andy and Liam spoke with a man who made quite an impression in his short time here, Sam Ricketts. Uh, what did we make of him, gents? Do you know what? He was only there for four months. I thought, I thought it was just a lot longer. It seemed a lot longer. Um, but I did think he took us to a, a slightly different level, really, from what we'd been used to in non-league terms. Um, very organised as he touches on in this. Seemed to know exactly what he wanted. Brought a Premier League professionalism to to little old fan-owned Wrexham FC. So it was a real shame to miss him. A real shame to lose him, actually. There's quite a lot of, um, I think, urban myths around the time that uh, of his departure, which I also think he was quite open about and happy to answer as well. So, yeah, he's. I think he won't sort of give too many spoilers away, but he talks about his reasons for doing it and, you know, whether he has any regrets. And I think, I don't know if it'll make people see it differently because the atmosphere around it was quite, you know, <laughs> quite tense, wasn't it? But... No, I think people will definitely be interested to hear from him. Yeah, there's a lot of noise around his departure because people wanted to stay because he was doing a good job. You know, the record speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, he's been candid enough to come on and basically tell it how it is. Um, I dare say some people will will listen to it and say, "Is he still being disingenuous?" That's for you to decide when you listen to it. Um, I thought him. I thought he came across engaging. It just it feels like he's got the two personas. There's Tim as a person, and then there's Sam Ricketts, the football manager, like just a very strong, focused person who just wants immediate success. So um, obviously it didn't work out for him at Shrewsbury. Um, will he return to management? You'll have to uh, to listen to see if that's something that's on his agenda. Well, there we go. We've had uh, Gary Mills, Andy Morell. What other managers have we had? Kev Wilkin. Big Kev. How could I forget Big Kev? He was on my oh, favourite. Yeah, I can't forget Big Kev. I <laughs> fear for my life. I'm sure he was like temporary manager for a bit, wasn't he? Kev Russell. I can't remember. He was always assistant, but I thought oh, yeah. he filled in one. Yeah, we had Rooster as well. So there we go. Here's mm-hmm. the latest uh, instalment with Sam Ricketts. Take us back to May 2018. You were appointed Rexa manager on a three-year deal. Just tell us tell us a bit about how that came about, when you were first um, made aware of the interest in the club and what was your initial thinking? Um, well, I was at Wolves at the time, coaching there, and I went in just as a... I, I, just, I, I finished playing the season before, I got forced to retire because of my knee, and I went straight into coaching at Coventry at the time. And then that summer... 
I went around, saw all different people, went and saw Brendan Rogers, and I ended up just doing it. He said, go and, go and do a youth team somewhere. Go and do that. It'd be the best learning experience for you. So I went back in at Wolves. I actually started off with the under-16s. I went in just as a, as a backup. It didn't have any space, but obviously I played there in bits and pieces. So I went in as assistant to the 16s coach. After a couple of months, I got made head of the 16s coach and sort of like remained that way. But towards the end of that season, I started going with the 23s and... Um, you know, I was looking to progress there really. As much as I enjoyed the academy side, I wanted to get size because I always wanted to be a, uh, a manager, and that's what was called first in football anyway. And I just got a phone call one day from Carl Darlington saying, would, you know, would you be interested in um, the Wrexham job? Um, to be brutally honest, I, I wasn't aware that I think Dean had gone, you know, a good few weeks previous from it. Um, and Carl just rang me and said, listen, we're looking for a new manager. Would you be interested? I knew Carl from doing my badges with the Welsh FA. Uh, I said, well, leave it with me then. Um, let me do some research. I did some research for the next 24, 48 hours or so, and then rang it back and said, yeah, I would. You know, I'd be interested in coming over and, and meeting the, the board and everyone. So did that, spoke to Spencer, coming by email or something like that, and he sent me over a little thing. So could you do a bit of a presentation on this? And with that, it probably it gave me two or three days and just battered all the information I could out of it, found out what I needed to know, um, and just presented to the board, really. And just say I got the phone call, say, on a Thursday, probably not even that, just say I got it on the Monday. I probably had the meeting by the Thursday or Friday. And by the time I'd driven back from Wrexham back to my home, which is about 45 minutes away, Spencer was ringing me up offering me the job. Um, it was a bit one of those. It was a bit of trepidation. Do I want to jump in? Um, because you, academy life is very easy, but it's very mundane as well. I don't mean that detrimentally, but when you've been at first team football, and it's, it is about winning on a Saturday, and there is the pressures involved to it. Academy is good and it serves a purpose, but I had that the desire to be first team manager, and it kind of got to a point where if I don't go now, am I going to get a better opportunity than what Wrexham were? Um, and the answer to that was, was no. So I gratefully accepted and, and relished the opportunity. I think um, it was kind of like, I'm not sure if, it, if, cur- if a curveball appointment is the right, the right um, description, but I think it was unexpected. But by the same token, Rex were now getting into a sort of a momentum of trying to get managers that were young and hungry and ambitious and somebody that was going to bring something a little bit different to the table that maybe hadn't been there before. So in terms of, of, of how that presentation went, I imagine you were confident with what you delivered when when you when you delivered it and you'd gone away, did you think I'll give my best there, or did you think yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident I've got this? I don't know how many more names are in the hat. I don't know if you were made aware of what else. Than, if you were no, well, I wasn't. To be fair, I wasn't. And what I've always learned, this worked for anything in, in life, whatever you do. I think if someone rings you and says, "Are you interested in this?" You've got a far better chance than applying for a CV. I've applied for jobs, sent CVs, and you don't even hear back after time. Um, previous to, to Rex and this is. So when they phone you, well, first of all, you've got a good chance because they've approached you first and foremost. Um, I just, I'm a very detailed person. That's a, the way I am. Um, some people, so it, it's not OCD, but people now are liking it. Oh, you've got OCD? Well, no, I haven't. I've just got a, an eye for detail. I like things done right. I like them done right. And, and that's all the presentation was. I went through everything. Where Wrexham have been the last five years or so, um, the style of play, how I saw the style of play going, even to the point where, right, all these players are out of contract next summer. These are the ones I'd keep. These are the ones I'd let go. These are the ones we'd negotiate with and see what money it was at. And I actually had a, a group as well of players who I wanted to target 
right there, the players are going to try and get to, to improve the, the club, basically. Um, and, and that's just how I try and approach everything in life is, is with that detail behind it. So I think obviously the board must have been impressed. Um, and then I obviously got the opportunity. Was there, uh, I'll bring the other guys in in a minute. Was, I know you said you're meticulous and you pay particular attention to detail. Was there any element of pressure coming into that club? Because it, it's kind of become this poison chalice, especially with us being in non-league for so long and continue yeah. to be, where managers have tried and failed at, at so many hurdles. I mean, what, did, did that come into the thinking or do you think... To be, honest, to be honest, I had a safety net and this is why I went back to probably looking at the last five years or so. You'll know better than me if I've had them scratching around. I'll, I'll have the presentation on this computer somewhere. I could even flick it through. Um, <laughs> but I had a safety net because I think for the five, six, seven years previous, that finished higher than 10th. Now, to be honest, I kind of looked at that and thought, well, if I can't get this club higher than 10th, I, I'm not going to be a good manager. There's not, no, I need shooting if, if I can't do that. So that was kind of a, a safety net really for me. So I, I looked around and when you phone up as Wrexham manager, and you, football and everything is about recruitment. It's the biggest thing at any club. It's the, it's probably the one thing which the vast majority of clubs don't put enough money into. It, it relies um, on the, the manager at the time, so, but it should be far more because it's the biggest expense. 90% of the revenue goes on players or their wages, transfer fees. And ultimately, the players will make or break the season. The manager can only be so good. If the manager hasn't got good players, he's not going to win games. That, that's as simple as that. So um, I looked at that and I thought, I fancy my chances of... of finishing higher than 10th. Um, and with that, I've just clarified with the board what were your expectations. They want to see improvement, right? What does that look like? Higher than 10th? Well, okay, then, well, yeah, I'll take that. And I fancy my chances of, listen, I didn't come in there trying to be 8th or ninth. I came in wanting to win the league, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and that was my aspirations. I think um, I was at the Meet the Manager event where I think it was packed out in the Centenary Club. Um, yeah. You were on the bench with, with a few of the others. And I think, you know, you put on a really confident, charm offensive, said all the right things. And I think you, you even said, you know, we want immediate success. This is why I'm here. It's not a case of building for the season after or the season after that. I'm yeah. here to try and get you what you've just said, you know, 10th, there's the safety net. Let, let's let's get into the playoffs and, and, and push and see where we go. Yeah. When when you've seen, did you get, did you get like a, a scale of, of, the size of the club then, or like the sleeping giant? I know with you being a Wales international, you'll be aware of Wrexham anyway, but when there's that many people and the eyes are on you there to say, right, is this the man to finally deliver what we've craved for so long? Um, was that the moment where you thought, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal, but you already knew that because of the research? Um, yeah, probably, I, I did know it was a big deal, but probably, it's like anything, you probably don't appreciate the size of the club in, until you're there and you're, you're in it and you start seeing. And the other big thing is, and the big pull, well, going back to now, when Rectum offered me the job, I was like, well, do I do, or do I do it or do I not? If I don't go now, where do you go? Because I always look at what the club could achieve. Where can the club go, you know, size-wise? And it all comes down to fan base. If, if Rectum pulled in, and obviously there's clubs in, in the conference, at, like Boar and Wood, for argument's sake, I, you'll know what they put in six, seven, eight hundred a week, you know? And so what you see in there, that all comes off your backer. There's one person pumping money into support where Wrexham has that many supporters that the club can hold itself and, and go through. 
even without someone putting money in, if someone puts money in you, then it speeds up the process. So I looked at that. I thought, you know, there's so much potential here. And listen, I was, if I was, if, if I said I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying because I, I was, we hadn't done it before. And going into the press conference, I was getting announced and I was like, that the night before and that morning, I was thinking, well, what if you ask me this question? What am I going to say if the press asked me that question? You know, and, and, and it was a, a bit nerve wracking. My first meeting with the players, I can remember uh, being a bit nervous with my voice. I come out thinking, what are you doing? I've played football for, since I was 16. But it soon goes. A week or two after, we got going into pre-season and um, managed to get some good staff in around me eventually. Um, good players in and listen we, we got off to a good start it couldn't have gone any better for me the momentum went you know and, and that eases everyone's fears it probably relaxes me means I can relax and do a better job possibly than losing the first three or four games all of a sudden listen we all we all support football I told you he wasn't the manager for us I told you he was rubbish and you, you know you don't have to deal with that it was one that we could just build on the momentum I think um, I think it was Ricketts as the name was a hashtag I think you were introduced to quietly <laughs> Just take us um, to, you said recruitment is key to any any football club. Lee Young was your first appointment. He's still here. I think yeah. So wherever it may be. Just take us, was, was, were, the, were those targets already in mind before you'd got the job? And just take us a little bit around the recruitment, um, the, the ones that impressed you and so on. Yeah, Youngie was, to be fair. Youngie got made aware to me through, um, I spoke to so many people, people from scouts from other clubs, Scouts from League Two clubs, scouts from League One clubs who, who had a really good relationship and said, listen, who have you looked at who you're thinking, actually, he's all right, maybe not quite ready for League One, maybe not quite ready for League Two. And I just compiled a list of hundreds and hundreds of names and just sat down on computers and watched and watched and watched. And Youngie come up, um, to be fair, through Carl Darlington, I think Carl Darlington mentioned Youngie to me, so I did some research on him. It ended up, I used to play with his agent, so that always makes it easier. So I rang him up and I went... I actually met Youngie. I met him at Celtic Manor. He was obviously down at Torquay. I was down there on a coaching course. I met him there. Just got on really well with him. Really liked him. Nice lad. Um, nice family. Um, and he could play football. He could handle the ball. Score goals from distance, as, as we've seen over the years. Passable, switch play, high energy. Um, I just saw a, a player who was hungry. Hungry to leave. He didn't want to leave Torquay, but he knew he had to leave to go and, you know, try and take the next step in his career. And, and that hunger and desire um, was just made a very, very simple sign in that, to be fair. Sam, if there's one word I was I would put to your sort of tenure at Wrexham, I think professionalism from sort from an outsider looking looking in, was there something that you came when you first came in that you thought you could change straight away for the better? And the second sort of question is that did you always want like an old school sort of assistant manager like Graham Barrow with you? Was that always the plan? Yeah, so assistant-wise, I always did want someone who had been there before, really, to be honest with you. Um, so I got appointed, and I think it was only me and the physio. I think that was it, in terms of staff-wise. There was a um, strength and conditioning guy, his name forgets me, but he was just, as I took over, within that sort of like week, he rang me and said, listen, I'm going to go with Dean Keats to Walsall, so... Um, that was that. So it was just me and the physio. So I knew I needed a whole new staff. I needed everyone. Goalkeeper coach went with Keatsy as well. I was trying to keep him. Um, so I knew I wanted someone older, experienced, just from speaking to different people. Um, actually, Graham's lad was uh, kit man at, um, at Bolton when I was there. So I've asked new Graham a little bit. He worked with Roberto Martinez. I played with Robbie at, at Swansea. 
So I spoke to Robbie on him and, and that was all that. And then from a professional point of view, I don't really know. It's probably just what I've been surrounded by and how I expect things done all the time. And, and that was why well, I mentioned there was hardly any member of staff. It kind of made it easy because then I could implement things without having to change the staff, if that makes sense, or change their mindset or mentality. I could basically start again. And we had a touch of, you know, it was unbelievable to be able to bring UC Ascalani in as goalkeeping coach. Um, again, his standards are sky high. What he did with Bob Layton in that first year was unbelievable. Um, and the standards he brings to the thing every day. And I didn't even have to pay him. That was the best thing. He didn't even, he didn't want, I'm not saying he didn't want the money, but he said, listen, you just keep the money. And, and so I think we'd give him some expenses. And that was it. I had probably the best goalkeeping coach. I still think Yusuf, if he wanted to be, would be a Premier League goalkeeping coach. Hands down, I'm talking in the top three or four clubs in the Premier League if he wanted to be. And we were getting him for free. You know, so he was just trying to use contacts like that. Um, to bring in the, the players and that professionalism that, that comes with it. Know how training should look. Know what your preparation should look like. Know what your match day routine should look like. What the players should look like when they go out to warm up. Um, all these little things, I, I think, uh, you're just trying to inch your way towards being a, a more... You want to win games. That's what it all comes down to. You want to win games and be more professional in, in doing so. Just talking about the details, um, it was mentioned by, I think we had Paul Rutherford on this uh, podcast, who described uh, you as, I think the word was immaculate, was uh, <laughs> his rather nice description. Um, but what he was saying, there was, you know, essentially you modernised the club to an extent in that you brought in a conditioning coach, brought in a sports psychologist. How important do you think elements like that are? Yeah, really important. It's not just what those people come in. Obviously, the sports conditioning coach is going to come in and he's going to do a good job. He's going to do it. You bring a psychologist in, he's going to do how much... But for me, my big thing has always been is the, is the, is the environment you're placing the players in every day. What it, it tells the players is, you know, he's trying to do something here. If it's not me, as a club, they're investing in that, investing in that. This club's trying to do something. And, and, it, and it gets through that mundaneness of what playing football or being a brickie or whatever people do in life, you can get mundane going through the motions a little bit. When you're, yeah, you know what, the club are trying to do something here. Look what they're doing. I do things. I did the tunnel up. I want to know now which one of you doesn't like my tunnel up idea. Someone doesn't like it. <laughs> Don't be shy. There you but go. That was all to do with, it was all to do with, right, this tunnel has been the same for 10 years. Right, let's change the atmosphere now in this tunnel. We're, we get changed here every day, but... I want it looking a bit more intimidating to opposition when they come down. I couldn't actually do exactly what I wanted to do because the club wouldn't, wouldn't pay for it. But it was just trying to get, try and use the dragon, the fire from a dragon, which I know you don't like, but that's fine. I quite liked it. Um, <laughs> you know, just trying to make it, we tried to give ourselves an identity and a, and a, and a bit of like, you wanted opposition to come there and be like, oh yeah, look at this place. You know, this is all right here. And then, I can remember we I tried to be the fittest team as well. We played a game. I can't remember who we played now. We won the game, come off, and one of their players, I knew one of their players, he said to me, Cole, we think we're fit. You've just run all over us on that pitch there. And they pride themselves on being fit. And again, that comes down to profession, whatever you want to call it. It became an identity that when you played against Wrexham, if you, we didn't win every game, but if we didn't win a game, you had to work hard to beat us, basically. Sam, I'm going to have to ask you, what did you want to do with the tunnel? What did I want to Come do? Come on. Yeah, go on. 
I wanted the players. I want individual of the players. We like stood next to each other and just not just stood next to each other of like a wall, like just in front. But say like you got Sean Pearson, a leader, captain, everything. But I'd raise him up a few inches, you know, in the tunnel. So when they're stood, the opposition is stood in the tunnel now, waiting for us to come out, and it's like they tower. You make them all a little bit bigger and a little bit more imposing. <laughs> That's the devil things. is like in the detail. <laughs> yeah, it was just little things. I just, you know, just. No, Sean for me was, was unbelievable, and I think he, you know, is is. I speak to him. I still speak to him now every so often, and I spoke to a few people at Wrexham this summer. I said, like, the first thing you should have done for, in my eyes, you tie Sean down. You keep him if you want to do something. You, you keep him here, but listen, that's in my opinion. I'm not. I'm not there. But you just try and keep your 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 big your big players. And um, I wanted it to be intimidating. I wanted you to come to Wrexham and think. You know, like the Anfield atmosphere, people you, over the years go, call you one nil down before you even start. I wanted to try and create that. The fan base was unbelievable. Um, I wanted it to be a real hard place to come to. Sam, it was obviously it was a fans' own club at that at that point. Were you always aware of the constraints you'd have with the budget and what you were able to do? And did do you think the, the goalposts moved at all for you during the season, or, or was it always a set budget and you knew you had to work within that? No, from in all fairness, I have to say. Spencer was was first class and the board were first class with me, never minded me. I got told, this is your budget at the start. Um, and that was perfect. I would like ring up and say, right, I want to get these new goals for the training ground. Not a problem, Sam, but it comes out of your budget. Perfect to me. I can make it work, you know, same with overnight stage. We did well in the cup. I said, right, Spencer, come on, we've, we've earned a couple of hundred grand now in the, in the cup. What, you know, what have we got now to, to put into... To put back in the squad, but actually, as a board, we'll meet. Here's another lump of money going in, and it was it was really really good like that. To be honest with you, um, really good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to. It's not about spending money. I just wanted to modernise it as quick as I could. I wanted the training ground drainage. I wanted this to, and I wanted that because I knew we were coming into the winter months, and I just wanted to move the club on quicker than maybe what everyone else wanted to do. So I think we've we've um, we've kind of touched on. On the start to the season we had, I mean, I think you won four and drew two of the first six games in charge. And then overall, we won 13 out of 23, but only three defeats. So that just ties hand in hand with what you said about creating a team that's going to be hard to beat. And that's where the, the sort of first foundation come from. Yeah. Well, before before we go into the, you know, the, the, the departure and, and so on and so forth, do you look back at that record? And I know it's kind of like almost like a microcosm of what could have been. But you must look back at that and go, you know what? Decent record, that. Proud of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I was still frustrated at the time because we didn't win a few more games that I wanted to and I get a bit frustrated. And um, But yeah, overall, you know, obviously it's, it's really, really good. And that's a party I know we will come on to departure in a minute and it kind of links into it a little bit. I bring certain people I knew within the game really well. I say, look, what would you do in my situation now? Some would say, stay. Your win record is unbelievable. You know, stay. You're, and others will go, no, go now. You're jumping too easy, this, that, and everything. But no, really, really um, proud of what we did there um, and what the, like the momentum we had sort of thing. My big bugbear at the time, thinking back, was I really wanted, and I wanted, and this is where money comes into it, we lost at home against Leighton Orient. We played really, really well, dominated the game. And then Macaulay Bond spun and scored up a corner late on. And I just, I can remember watching that thinking, we had some good forwards, don't get me wrong, but none of them would have scored us that goal. And I knew that we needed to go and 
get one, if not two, proper centre forwards if we were to really go on and, and do it. And that's not being detrimental to anyone we had at the time. It's just that as a budget wise, we're probably sixth or seventh in the league, maybe fifth or sixth, something like that. And we've done really, really well. Good keeper, probably best keeper in the league, some best of the centre halves in the league, really good fullbacks, really good midfielders, again, some of the best in the league. And I just felt that top end, the clinicalness, was what we were lacking at that time. That sounds like a familiar tale of uh, Red <laughs> Conference era, to be honest, up until the current season. But that's a different story entirely. We've got the striker, right? It's just the midfield situation, which isn't quite right at the moment. Um, I don't know if Liam was itching to, to say something. I don't think it looks like. Yeah, you know, it's just um, coming in onto the, um, I guess, sort of the tail end of your time at Wrexham. We've had sort of the the version from the board we've spoken had Spence Harris on this podcast talking about it just talk to us a bit how the about how the interest um came up from your side of things I guess leading up to that uh, Newport game when things came to a head a bit yeah it was only probably a week before that really I think um I think Spencer called me and said listen we've had an approach when I first came into the club and we did our contracts and everything and I had in there uh, release clause whether it was League 1 League 2 Championship whatever it was there was a release clause in there certain amount figure da, da, da. anyway it, you know Spencer rang me and said well, we've had an approach for the for you you know what do you want to do and I said well I don't really know I was really happy really happy don't get me wrong I was really enjoying it and really looking forward to what we what we could do there um, and then I think well I can't remember what happened Eventually, I ended up going down to speak to Shrewsbury, even in this time. It didn't mean I was going. I just thought, well, may as well listen to what they've got to say sort of thing. I think it, because it, it meant they, they could speak to me. And um, Spencer knew all this. Nothing went on behind anyone's back or anything. And I came back and Spencer said, what do you want to do? So I said, I really don't know. I think this was like the Thursday, possibly, Thursday or Friday. Anyway, carried on preparing for the Newport game, did all the, had all the game plan, did all the training, everything. And then on the... Saturday morning, Saturday night, it wasn't the game. So Saturday morning, I got a phone call from Spencer saying, Spencer, he said, Sam, I don't think, you know, we can have you at the game today. I said, well, why not? Anyway, he, he said about my safety or something like that. I said, oh, so I'm big enough, I'm not going to be worried about that. Um, and he said, well, you know, unless you say now, you're definitely not going anywhere. You can't come to the game. I said, well, I can't say that because I spoke to you honestly last night and just said, I don't really know, but I'm 100% focused on this club and this game. And then he was adamant that I couldn't come to the game. I said, well, Spencer, you know, I've been around football long enough. There's always speculation with be players or managers. And I've never seen anyone say they're not allowed to come to the game before. And it kind of like pushed me in that direction, really, if I'm honest with you. So, well, how do I come back now? Now you've banned me from coming to a game. How do, then I, how do I then come back in next week as manager? So that kind of made my mind up, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, I was going to say, do you think that forced your hand a little bit? Because when when A, that decision is made, that's that's fair enough. But B, it becomes public. It does sort of seem that it's funneling you in a, in a direction, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all happened now. So it is, but it, it certainly, I've never, I've never heard of it before. All, always managers are cavorted or something or something like that. And you always just, carry on, you do your job, you know, you, you go to that game, you try and win the game, and then if the manager decides to go the next day or next week, but I've never seen someone say that you can't come to a game before. And I just thought it was out of, I think a little bit because of Keatsy going, um, and obviously then, and I think the 
you'll know better than me. I think the ball maybe got some stick over that. And then it was, they wanted to handle this one a little bit better with me. And that's, listen, they, I think as a, as a board, you can't fault them. I think they've done an amazing job for the club and they were brilliant with me as well. So I can't, um, I won't say anything bad about them, but that's how they handled him. Like I said, it, it probably does funnel you down. Well, certainly it pushes you more that way than saying, come and take the game. We'll have a chat afterwards or something. What did your uh, your trusted assistant make of all this? Because then he, he suddenly thrust in the limelight. You were saying you've been told to stay away. And then what what what, what was his um, version of events, the way you saw that pan out? I think Graham just got called after me. Probably after I got told that I wasn't allowed to come to the game, so would you take the game? Obviously, which he did. Um, Graham was really enjoying it. He, you know, he was loving it there. He thought we were onto a really good thing. He was enjoying the work and the atmosphere, you know, and everything like that. Um you know, and he wasn't, like me, was, like I said, really enjoying it, wasn't eager to, to go anywhere, wasn't trying to, to, to go anywhere. So I think he was very torn in terms of wanting to stay and, and continue what we had built, you know, and then in that first half of the season. Um, you know, and he, he chose to stay and, and stay for a couple of months and then you know, took some time out and, and went back home eventually. But let's kind of have a, uh, just enlighten me on this. So we have like a sliding doors moment. And let's just say that you weren't banned for the Newport game and you're in the dugout for it. Do you think that would have had any bearing on, on the decision to leave? Or, or was it still very much, what I'm trying to get at is, was it a wrench to leave Wrexham? Because from the outside looking in at the time, because of, of how well the job you were doing, I think that's what made it much more difficult for fans to swallow and then all of a sudden, it's Sammy the Snake and various yeah. names coming your way. So was it a wrench? And w- would it have made any difference if, if you'd been in the dugout for that game? Uh, listen, 100% is a wrench. 100%. And right decision or wrong decision, I can't go back and change it. You, you think sometimes should have said, and I don't go into too much detail because it, it's done now. It was, and sometimes in football, maybe as a football player, your career is very short and you can't, you can't not take opportunities when they arise. As a manager, maybe I was too eager. Maybe I was too eager to, to jump up the leagues and I wanted to be I wanted to be young. I wanted to be the new kid on the block. I wanted to be that manager. And it was like, well, if I go down and jump in two leagues, you know, and, and see how it goes. But I really enjoyed it at the same time. I maybe should have been more patient and said, well, I can't remember what I was, 36, 37, something like that. And just been actually just relaxed. You're still really young. You know, you can stay here. We had a really good chance of promotion that year, if not automatic, you know, in the in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. It, I had one very similar when I was at Swansea. I had Swansea. Again, I had a release clause in my contract. Hull had met it. Hull were in the championship. We'd just been beating League One playoff final. And it, the deal was all done for me to go to Hull. And I can remember I was sat in my home at Swansea. I didn't want to go. I was meant to be at Hull at, say, 11 o'clock in the morning. About a four-hour drive from Swansea. I sat in my home at... 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I was meant to be unveiled at 11 o'clock in Hull. And I was sat in my living room in Swansea, so I didn't want to go. Eventually, I did go because it was up the next, up the next level. I didn't want to go, and obviously, that eventually worked out all right for me. So, no hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but who, who knows? I could have stayed, and we didn't get promoted. And I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's very hard to say. Um, yeah. But you- I, I love my time there. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go. I wasn't trying to leave and... We were building things. We were getting there. Um, uh, you know, if we knew Ryan was coming in a little bit sooner afterwards, could have been different. 
you, uh, can you uh, we can we can talk about it now with a bit more of a, of a smile on her face but can you looking back can you understand the fans anger at I think because it was Shrewsbury as well obviously always been like fairly um, heated rivalry between the between the two clubs so could you understand it uh, as I think I think it was twofold it was it was because you were doing so well and because of the element of professionalism that ramped up and it was quite clear to see and we were hard to beat and then I think the the, the sort of placed on garden leave or whatever it was for, for the for the Newport game yeah into the mix and then all of a sudden you're at Shrewsbury a couple of days later so could you understand why it left a sour taste in a lot of Wrexham fans mouths yeah of course I can definitely definitely and I wouldn't I've never don't hold any grudges to anyone who who moaned at me for my decision there it's just that is football it's life it's what happened you know we I would moan I'm a football fan I'm, I'm the same if someone leaves it well why why what are you doing that for you know looking out in, should have stayed, should have done this. I respect everyone's decision and um, barring death threats, it was all, it was all, you know, easily taken to be fair. Did you get any? Yeah, I had to get the piece involved a little bit with a, with a few different bits and pieces, but um, um, yeah, only because it gets to a point where at what point, I'm sure it wasn't anything serious, but what time does a bit of jovial had a few pints there, uh, wish you'd die and then all of a sudden you start getting two or three or, 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 so at some point I have to report this and um, someone yeah. my number out that didn't help either but anyway. right yeah obviously that's something that none of us condone um, no, no I, listen I get everyone's I get everyone's um, thing and there's you know Sam the Snake and then I meet I meet people after years later and you walk in a room somewhere and then you, you don't know someone and then a couple of months later you find out, he goes, oh, I walked in and I'm like, there's Sam the Snake over there. And then you get to know him. <laughs> it's, um, no, uh, so long as I don't hold any grudges like that. I've, I've not been back to Wrexham and, and I've been meaning to a little bit, to be fair. I've been invited back a few times and some of them don't get abused too much when I come back. Um, it would be all right. Maybe this will soften the attitudes a couple of years. <laughs> maybe, maybe it will. So I, I think it's safe to say kind of no regrets on that front. Um, so Shrewsbury, you go to Shrewsbury. Is it two years, I think, you, you end up there? there yeah, about, five, two years, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it started well, and then it just kind of sort of, sort of fizzled out a bit. Is, is, is that a fair assessment? Could it, was it everything you wanted it to be, or it didn't quite turn out what you expected? Well, it, was a, it was a tough It was a tough role, that one. Um you know, the, the club had had one really outstanding year. I think the year previous to me going, I think it finished third, um, got beat at Wembley in the, in the player final. But it was like abnormal, I think, for the, for the 10, 15, 20, 25 years or something like that before it. He hadn't finished above 15th or 16th in the league, something like that. And so it was, it was a tough one, that. And, and I went in in the first year, stayed up. That's all I could do, really, stayed up. Second year... Cut, got eventually cut short by COVID, but in, a, in effect, when they were at the leagues now, we came 16th, which was the second best finish for 25 years. But it was never, it's a bit like when I said I come in a Wrexham, I didn't come in to finish ninth or 10th, I come in to, to win the league. And it's a bit like that, but Shrewsbury, I didn't come in to finish 16th. And it, I didn't regard it as, it wasn't the success I wanted, but you have to look at the, the history and think, well, actually, that's the second best finish for 25 years ago. It's not too bad, but it never quite got that. And I think, Maybe it's a little bit of me because I was at Wrexham before going into Shrewsbury. So a bit like how you were saying, the Wrexham fans moaned at me because I went to Shrewsbury. Maybe the Shrewsbury fans because I came from Wrexham. You know, I used to get the old go back to Wrexham, will you, and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, yeah, it, it was a hard one. And like I said earlier, and, and again, this isn't me, this is me just learning in, in very open. You ring up Wrexham and try and sign a player. I something to hear from Wrexham. And straight away, you know, generally the air players are, oh, that's, they're a big club there. You generally sign players from the conference or League Two, even League Two, would be like, oh, yeah, big club that, you're bigger than a lot of League Two sides. So you always get that initial thing. But when you phoned up from Shrewsbury, it was, you would never the, the calibre of players I was trying to get, it was never the one, it was never the, the phone call they'd been waiting for, if that makes sense, you know, to, to try and attract players there. It, it became very hard to attract players there. Um, and like I said, recruitment is, is everything. The club have got so close to so many very, very good players. Players who've won League One a number of times, been top goal scorers in League One. And it either, it just fell down at the last because it was like the club would just fell down because we couldn't afford that extra little bit of money. Um, and then, listen, in the end, eventually, the season I left, you know, we weren't good enough. We were so good in games, very, very good, and just didn't win games. And after 10, 12 games, you know, the, the club have to make a decision, and that's, that's how football goes. Sounds like you were still after that sort of Macaulay Bone sort of striker. Yeah, I nearly signed him when I went to Shrewsbury. I phoned him up. There's a, I think I spoke to his agent when I was still at Wrexham to try and sign him for Wrexham. And... Uh, he wasn't really having it. He wasn't leaving Orient to go to. I've been Orient to be the one club where no players were like, oh, Wrexham, yeah, come on, let's go. So then I spoke to him again when I went to Shrewsbury and I just, we just couldn't afford him. I think he was 200 grand. And we just, we couldn't afford him. He had a buyout 200 grand. We, like I said, I just couldn't afford him. He's, got, he's gone on and done well, but it all comes down to forwards, basically. People who can score goals and, and people who, and like I'm young now, I'm 40 now, so you, I always analyse and think, well, what, what did you do well? What should you have done better? And putting it bluntly, it all comes down to players. You can coach and you can do everything else, but I couldn't teach Sean Pearson how to get his head in the way of a shot, which no one else would do, but he just naturally does it. Same as, a, you know, you can only get players, do so much with them, and then their natural ability has to take over at some point. Sam, we have a bit of a quick fire round. I mean, I know... Your actual spell at Wrexham wasn't that long, but it does it does it does seem a lot longer, and I mean that in a, in a nice way, if you know what I mean, because it just it's it's a spell that left left a lasting impression. So I just want to see if any of the players left a bit of an impression on you. So it's a very very quick fire round. Um, who was the most skillful player there? Oh, skillful! Uh, probably Jordan Maguire Drew. Um, oh, he was. Yeah. yeah, really really good talent. I just used that to hit him with a stick every day just try and get him running more basically yeah no he, he, he was pretty skillful fair play who is the worst dress and I tell you who it isn't it isn't Samuel Derrick Ricketts is it always <laughs> immaculately turned out <laughs> um, worst dress I never went in the players dressing room too much um, some bad gear there I, I blame someone he's still there now so I'll give him a little bit Rob Layton you just you can't wear a tracksuit every day, can you? It's like the bog standard, grey top, grey bottoms, blue top, blue bottoms. You've got to give me a little bit more than that. <laughs> Fair play. We, we, we'll let him off because, as you said, he is probably the best keeper in the league. Yeah, he is. Um, who was the most underrated player who never really got the plaudits they deserved? Uh, that year, um, I, I'm trying to think when I was there. I think the midfield three, I think, I think we had some really good players. The midfield three of Brad Walker... Uh, Summers and Youngy is a, a three. Summers put Rutherford in there or, or someone. I think Luke, Luke Summerfield was really, really good, you know, that year. 
really good. Yeah. You could get Plaudits to be fair, but technically his passing was, was very, very good. High energy, good set pieces. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Summerfield's be. a good one. Summerfield's a good one. I think when he got injured, we really fell away. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, who was the biggest moaner? Mm. In a good way, he's probably similar to myself, probably Sean Pearson, just moan all the time. Yeah. <laughs> moaner. Uh, did he moan at me? Don't think so. Um, moaner. Moan at the players during training, moan at players half-time, moan at players at the end of a game. Just always in a good way to be a good leader, good proper yeah. leader. Sean was very good, very good. I suppose that's what you kept, what you what you kept in to do, really, isn't it? Yeah, Fyle put a bid in for him. I think I've been appointed a week or two. And Fyle put a bid in 20, 25 grand or something like that. And I was always one that I'd be very open, so players probably generally know this sort of stuff anyway. So I rang Sean. He didn't actually know anything about it. I said, "Listen, I'll be honest with you. They've made this bid." I don't want you going anywhere. You're my captain. He went, no, I don't want to go anywhere. So we kind of had, we got off to a really good start relationship-wise from then on, really. Good, good. Right, last one from me. I mean, it might be it might be hard to sort of gauge this, but who was the tightest with money? You can have staff on that as well. Uh, who's the tightest with money? I'm going to blame Rob Layton again. Only because I've known him for such a long time. He is tight. He doesn't spend it on his gear, does he? He just has two tractors, a grey one and a blue one. Um, was it, was Leighton one of your signings? Leighton was, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when he came in, I mean, just one of those things, you look at his record and you think, you know, he's quite well rated at, at Vale, but maybe he hasn't played as much as yeah, as much as much as he should have. But fair play. I mean, he's probably our best keeper in the non-league era. I don't know, Tim, Liam, can well, you... Yeah, he's, about... he's, broken, he's broken a lot of records in, in terms of clean sheets. Um, I think he's got a clean sheet record in so many games. I can't remember the full stats, but he's broken a lot of records. And um, he doesn't say much publicly, but behind the scenes, I'm told he's a very, very, very funny guy. By all yeah, he'd be, be very jovial, yeah, to be fair. And I think, as well, come back to recruitment now. I've known Rob since I was at Bolton. And it worked really well because UC had known us. When UC came in and coached him, it comes to the point where UC's reputation in, in football is sky high, but within that, Rob's trained with him. So if UC says jump, Rob would just say, how high? And, you know, UC really brought him on that year. But every sign is a gamble. So you're trying to get players who've probably been around League One, League Two, played a bit, not played a bit. You're just trying to get players and, and try and fit them in. And it worked. And, and Rob worked really well. He saved the penalty at Dover first game. We won the game 1-0. And just little things like that. All of a sudden, his confidence grows. And all of a sudden, that momentum grows. And he, he went on, I remember, the foul game at home, made an unbelievable save early on. And just, you know, he, he's a really, really good keeper. He probably needed a bit of loving, um, an opportunity, an opportunity to say, right, you're going to play every game as well. Not be like, oh, if I don't play well, I'm not going to play in the next game. Um, yeah, he's a good keeper, Rob. Very good. Yeah, I think keepers and strikers... They're the, they're the two positions that if you get off to a good start, it can make make you spell a club, really. Yeah. When you say yeah. that Rob Nate needed a bit of loving, did you, do you sort of mean from the fans as well? Um, I think initially from the club, whether it be the manager, the coach, you know, the, the players, and when I say a bit of loving, a bit of like players kind of sometimes say it, sometimes don't say it. You kind of get a Bible players like, he thinks I'm all right or he thinks I'm rubbish. And it's a bit like that where then players, you have to you have to come through that and get a little bit of time. And then he played well. Then all of a sudden, 
rightly so, you supporters were all saying, I said, you're doing really well. And all of a sudden, that was just like, it kick-started his career, really, to be fair. Um, yeah, so he, he would have needed that. And we were talking earlier, and I think you, Mike Fondock gets a little bit of jovial banter, does he, on this podcast, maybe? He does. I mean, he started like a house on fire, is it? Six he scored six. in every preseason game. Then he, yeah. he scored in like four out of the first six games or five out of the first six games or something like that. And then... I mean, you could, could you always see the potential there? Did, did you know that he would need to be really, I mean, really brutally sort of man-managed to get the best out of him? Yeah, I was really, really hard on Mike. Really hard. Um, he was a hard player to sign. I was going down to London to meet his agent. His agent was asking for the world, so I can't give it. Anyway, eventually he got the deal done. He was hard work, clever guy, really concentrated on his football. Look, I'll be right, you need to run more in the game. I said earlier about fitness, I mean, you need to run more. Why aren't you running more? And then in the last 10 minutes, Mike, or 10, 15 minutes, I see you running a little bit more. Why, why is this? I saved myself for the last 15 minutes of a game because I think it's football goals. In. I'm like, that is not the answer I wanted to hear. So we, we used to do it, and it's horrible. As, as a player, you hate it. As a man, we come in some days and be like, right, before we do any training, we're doing a 12-minute run. And I'm meaning max out. You are, we will measure down to the metre how far you get in 12 metres. Go. And he was that bad at that, we actually sent him for a heart scan to make sure physically he was <laughs> But he was, listen, he was a big lad and he wasn't, he wasn't built for long distance running. He was big, he was strong, he was powerful. I tried to get more into his game in terms of, Mike, you can't just score goals. You're a big guy. You need, if we're under pressure, you need to hold that ball up, bring others into play and batter them, fight and, and do a little bit more. Um, and he had some good games doing it. Um, the problem is if you don't score, you know, you have to bring more to the table than what he did. But I'm pleased for him. He got a go at Burton last year. He scored in, in League One, which is good for him. I'm not sure where he is now. But um, nice guy. Um, but again, you're always just trying to find a, a diamond out of the, out of the rough somewhere. <laughs> Uh, I think this is a good time to ask you. I think we, we missed out on doing it earlier. Um, but your your sort of fearless moment, which is a particular moment where you look back at your time at the club and go, you know what, that was the one that that I enjoy the most. Or something that stands out, whether it's a game, whether it's a moment, where it's the thing that fills you with the most sense of pride at the club. Is there anything in particular that, that comes to mind? Yeah, I know. Um, I was thinking this. And, and, when, and when I came in, I said I wanted to play attacking football. I wanted to, I think, be in four... Uh, we've been the year before, 4-4-2 or 4-5-1, something like that. I know 4-3-3, I wanted to be really 4-3-3. I wanted really like narrow wingers, opposite footer to the... And it was the Eastley game at home. I think it was the third or fourth game at home. It was, I think it was... I think it was Eastley. We were falling up at half-time. And yeah, it was some of the best football in terms of attacking-wise that, that I'd, I'd seen and everything what, you know, you're trying to hope for and, and get to. I think Ricky Pike scored one of his flicks. Um... I think Bev's might have scored. Uh, Chrissy Holroyd cut in and, and scored a really good goal as well. And then Sean Pearson had a header just before half-time. And it was the one where he thought everything we're trying to do and, 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 and say and implement has happened in that half of football. So I thought they were a pretty good side at the time. It might have been Boreham Wood. Something like that. Boreham Wood, anyway. Someone who I thought the year before, I thought you were a pretty good benchmark here to see how good we are at a team. And we just blew them away. 4-0 at half-time. I think ended up at 4-1. Finished the game, but... That was a moment you think, yeah, this is um, about as good as it gets. Like. 
that was uh, that was a match where I famously saw the team and put on Twitter, "What is Ricketts doing with this team?" Uh, and then within about half an hour, you're four nil up, and I am getting pelters for the next week. <laughs> so, I tell you, you weren't the only one. I remember <laughs> I used to pick the team down to me, and it, I'd come in on the Saturday before the game, and the staff weekends there'd be me, Graham Barrow, Yusuf Escalani would be in there, and they'd look at me and go, right, "What's the team?" And I'd write up on the board. And they both just looked at me and went, right, okay. Because never, never question me, but you could tell like the thing and thing. And we won, obviously won the game. Coming after the game, I think I won manager of the month. And Graham usually just looked at me and went, okay, you deserve to be manager of the month. You picked that team. He said, we would never have picked that team in a million of years. So I think you were, you were with everyone else in terms of what, um, what everyone's thoughts were. Um, but yeah, I don't know why. Just sometimes you get like a feeling. I really like Chrissy Holwood. I really want to use him more than we did. He was just a little bit up and down a little bit, but he, he played really well that day. It was, it was against Ebbsfleet United that game. Before there another you go. Afternoon. Yeah. Um, so a decent team. Kevin Roberts, James Jennings, Leno, Pearson Lawler, Summers, Rutherford, Brad Walker, Holroyd, Pike and Bevan. So yeah. And, they weren't that bad a team. I don't know why everyone was saying my team selection. Mike Fondoff, Mike, Mike, Mike Fondoff came on in the 81st minute, so maybe he was keeping himself for the last there 10 minutes. Go, there you go. I started saying, well, if you're going to say you can only play 10 or 15 minutes, it's up to you. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive, eh? Great stuff. We lost the next game to Sutton, so it kind of maybe we peaked early in that game and it kind of went downhill after. That was, um, yeah, that was our game. It was, it was a good one. Someone's got sent off in that one. I can't remember what for, but he got sent off. We you got uh, rescinded. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one had ever told me. This is one of the things which, you know, a little bit of scepticism about appointing me as manager. I I get it. Went to Sutton. We got beat up, really. 3-0. Someone's got sent off. Although it wasn't a send-off, got rescinded. And you come away from the game thinking, well, if I'd been here before, I would approach this game completely different to how we did because we've just been beat. It was AstroTurf. It was a bad AstroTurf at that as well. And you just think, ah, now that they're the, the situations which you go there and you come away and you're like, oh, if I'd known exactly the environment we're stepping into there, I would have approached and set the team up completely different. So yeah. I was at that game. I think it was just where everything that ever could go wrong did go wrong that game. But it was just, it was a, I think it might have been the first game we lost. It was the worst feeling when you're a manager mm. and your team get beat 3-0. Raining. I was soaked through, trying to do press after the game. Um, it wasn't a good one. Nor would it have been good for you either. To watch it either. In terms of away from the football, so you've managed Wrexham, you've managed Shrewsbury, um, you've had a bit of a breather from the game. What what are you doing now? Because I think I think Liam has, has put me in the pitch in the, in the sense that you've opened up a builders merchant. So tell me a bit about what's gone on with Sam Ricketts away from football. What are you doing? Yeah, probably this summer. I've obviously left Shrewsbury. And I, I, did I want a break? Possibly, I wasn't. I spoke to a few clubs. Nothing really was jumping up and down to for me to, to go and do anything again. So, you know, wanting something to, to really get my teeth into, sort of thing. And then an opportunity came up this summer. Um, local, been travelling for the last probably ten years to football from, from where I live. It's like ten minutes, fifteen minutes away from me, and it was an opportunity to um, a company was closing down, so I've reopened it. Um, it, w- it was just horticulture. I reopened it as a builder's timber, landscaping, no supply, horticultural supplies, and redone and reopened that basically, and just expanding it, making it bigger. Um, 
I love football and really pleased that I've managed. I'm not saying I would have managed again. Um, I don't know, but I've also always wanted to do something different as well. You know, it's all I've done since I was 16 and left school is football. So I want to do this, get this going, um, spend my time there and take it from there. Are you doing anything in terms of football now? Or is it just very much a clean break for the time being? No, very, very little. To be fair, this new company takes up all my time. There's an awful lot to do. So that takes up all the time. I am... I've, I've been asked to go and scout games. I'm actually just doing, I'm going to do Wolves TV today. They're playing Man United this afternoon. So I'll, I'll do that for, for Wolves. Um, but no, no, nothing at all. Um, I'll probably get my football fixed just by watching football now. And I just look at, speak to managers who I know in the league and I, I look at them and the pressures they're under. And I just think, oh, it's far easier for me just looking and seeing how the score was this week or something like that. Um, because the pressure you, probably the pressure you put yourself under as a manager is, is, is a lot. And then, the you know the outside pressure as well it, it's, it takes a lot out of it takes a lot out of you but what have you made of um of, of the Wrexham takeover and everything else you've probably seen the the the, the sort of chaos not chaos the, the 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 sort of circus that's enveloped the club in recent times with the takeover and so on and so forth yeah, I, do, you, I think do, you, do you see them finally doing it yeah I think um I think ultimately it's, it's brilliant for the club from the little I know and I haven't to be honest with you, I, I haven't seen an awful lot. I've seen bits and pieces, but I think they're, the, the lads who have taken over are doing it well. I think they have really like bought into Wrexham as the club and the town and the atmosphere and feeling everything and, and doing it all really, really well. They've invested money in the club. Now, that is a very hard one then because always everyone goes, well, we should be top of the table. Well, I can tell you, Stockport are investing a huge amount of money. There's always a team like Torquay who did really well last year or a few little clubs who don't spend any money do well. There's no divine right. It just means you open the door up to certain more players. But I think from the outside looking, I think they're doing everything right. And I'm sure they are. You'll know more than me. I'm assuming, as well, I know a few people who've been brought in behind the scenes a little bit as well. I'm assuming they're on with a training ground. I'm assuming they're on with a few different bits and pieces, which which I would have wanted to do if I was still there. Um They've certainly now got as good a chance as any because you, you can go and get a Macaulay Bond now. You know, if if, if Phil Parkinson wants to, a, a Macaulay Bond, not Macaulay Bond now, but someone like that, then they certainly have the ability to do so. The only problem you have now is when you have money to spend, it's very you have to be very careful that you don't you don't sign a mercenary who has come and signed for you because you're offered in two or three, four years on really, really good money and he's just happy to take the money is to get that player who I'm at Wrexham now, but I am hungry to be in League Two. I'm hungry to be in League One. I want to go and be the best. And that's that's a fine line, that one, because it's very easy to go and sign the established players, give them the money. Oh, look what he did last year. Look what he did the year before. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be hungry because the hungry player will always beat the player who's going through the motions. Did you have any crossover with Phil Parkinson at Bolton? I can't think off the top of my head. No, so Phil, I actually, he actually signed me for Hull when I left Swansea. I was saying about going to Hull. He signed me for Hull. Um, I was, he, he was probably there for two or three months, and unfortunately, he got he got the sack there. So I know him. I know his assistant Steve Parkin really well because then he came in at Hull and played under. He was coach there, so I played under him for a couple of years. And then I've come across and managed against him um, when where I think it's actually his first game at Sunderland. We beat him at Shrewsbury one 0 for one of his first games. I've come across him a few times managing against him as well. Um, nice guy, nice guy. Um, not, like, I'll be honest, I've not seen any of Wrexham's games this year. I still look at the results every Saturday. 
or Tuesday night, whenever it is, still look at your results and, and see how you go with it. One week score four, five, six goals or something, and then another week not as many. Um, no, doing all right. Just need to go and win the next three or four on the bounce or something. Be nice. Indeed, I know you've got to scoot soon, so I'll let the other guys have any other fire the last few questions, and then we'll let you go. There was just one from me. Just one. I think you'd file it under Wrexham Urban Legends that I, <laughs> that I wanted to put to bed. I think I know, I know what this is going to be. <laughs> I don't have a clue where this rumour came from, but basically um, it was sort of around the time you were leaving, people were saying that things got a bit tense between yourself and Graham Barrow um, and essentially that he grabbed you by the scruff of the neck. <laughs> now, judging by the fact that you worked with him not that long afterwards, I'm going to just take a gamble and say that's complete bull. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah, you've only stayed there. No, never, not at all. Graham and I, to be fair, Graham was, was very, very good to me. We never never had a crossword, got on really well. We'd always go back and forth with ideas, but never, never have a crossword. And, no. It's good to put those there. Because, like I said, I don't know where they come from. It was, it was on. That's Red a good Patrick one. I've not heard that one. We got any yeah, more ones? <laughs> I've, I've got one, Sam. Who would go win on. in a fight between Graham Barrow and Sam Rickett? Who would win? Yeah. So if I can't win that, and with all due respect to Graham, he's got to be <laughs> if I can't do that, then I'm I'm struggling. <laughs> I reckon Barrow's a slugger. He's going to slug his way in. Slug fest that. Definitely. Yeah, but Sam, Sam's a builder now. Yeah. True. He lit him with some two by four. <laughs> um, no, thank you so much for coming on. Massively appreciate it. Appreciate the, the sort of candid nature of, of everything that that we've put to you. It's it's nice to to hear from you. Really, looking back, you know, it was a kind of like almost like a blink and, you, and you've missed it kind of moment in time. You know, um, so many months. But like we said, you know, the reason that the anger was there was because of how well you were doing for the club, and I think that that was pretty obvious at the time. So, yeah, massive thanks for coming on. Hugely appreciate it. Um, and yeah, onwards and upwards for, for us both. And I'm, you know, I'm, I dare say you may be back in football at some point in the in the near future, no doubt. Hey, listen, thanks for having me on. And if I do venture down to Wrexham for a game, just don't boo me too much, eh? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure we can be the three amigos that can be your muscle, so to speak. Get Graham Barrow to come down; he can help out. That'll be there. You go. He can grab a few by the scruff of the neck, then, can't he? <laughs> Sam, I think I, I think it would be a loss of football if you didn't come back in in, in some way, because I know we, we've talked about a really short spell, but really made an impression. And good luck for the future. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Listen, like I said, thanks for having me on. Wish you all the best, and um, I'll Great. keep looking out for your results. Thank you very much to uh, Sam Ricketts for his time again. We really appreciate it. He was um, uh, only on a short window because he's very busy in his in his new job, but uh, he was more than happy to answer the the boys' questions. Um, what did we make of that? I'm not. I wasn't on the chat there, so um, you know, I'm not sure whether that version of events it definitely doesn't tally with Spencer's. And can you can you can you understand where the board was coming from? You know, in, he obviously d- takes a very different view on that Newport game. I, I'm not sure that the board had uh, much of an option, really. I think he was going. I was just going to say, it felt a bit un, uh, unprecedented to me. I can't say that I'm aware of that many occasions where that's happened before. It was quite big news as well. I, I did a bit of um, background checking on it, and it was in the Sun and 
all over the place. So I can't say I'm aware of that many times it's happened to a manager. So in terms of the Newport game, I can understand why he was a bit taken aback by that. Um, I think from Spencer Harris's perspective, though, he seemed to feel that these talks between Ricketts and Shrewsbury had been going on before he told us that they had, essentially. Yeah, I think the, the nuance for me is what did Wrexham really think up to this up and coming to the to the Newport match? Did they were they ninety percent sure he was going to leave? If they were, yeah, probably it was priced to keep him away. If it if it, it was more like what Rickard said, and it was fifty fifty, even sixty forty that he was going to stay, and that decision made him go, then. Th- that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure who I believe. Um, I think Wrexham must have must have been sure that he was off to to make that decision. It's all academic, anyway. That's very true. But yeah, it's 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 a tough one. I, and to, to be fair to to Sam, he did say he could see why they did it, and he could understand it from the board's point of view. So whether he was showing. Um, Humility there, or that was maybe he he kind of got it in that he 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 knew deep down that he was going to take it. We'll never know, but we appreciate both Sam and Spencer giving their versions at different times. Anyway, should we move on predictions, Andy? What a great week for predictions! Do you want to know why? No game. No, because Andy Gilpin trailing in last place. He's only gone and pulled it back, hasn't he? Not only has he got two points for, for predicting that um, that Wrexham would, would win at Altrincham, but he's only gone and got a 3-1 dead-on scoreline for Notts County Wrexham. Gives him seven points. Why are you talking about yourself in third person? Well, yeah, because no one else will. No one else does. So Why I've dragged myself... Sorry? Why don't you just say, I'm off the bottom? <laughs> because I'm on a podcast and I want to paint a picture, Timothy. Okay. Tim, um, right. So I'm on 24 points now. Joint last with perennial predictions loser Liam Randall, who's now going to be wearing a Shrewsbury shirt or a, or a Tranmere shirt. I mean, we don't even know who our biggest rivals are anymore um, after that poll this week. Um, Reese, you're just a point behind, point behind Tim now with 28 points. Um, and Tim, you've got 29. So I think we all, all of us went for a Altrincham win, except Reese, who sat on the fence and got splinters. Classic. Reese and I both went for a Notts County win. Liam, you went for a draw. And Tim, you went for a Wrexham victory. Idiots. Fair play. Well, I'm happy, I'm happy with that. And I, as I say, I predicted, I sat on the fence for Altrincham, but I went. And we won, so I'm going to say that's the that's the reason why. Um, okay, well done, you. Eh? Is that what you want? Thank you very much. Yeah, everyone should be thanking me. Anyway, um, we've got uh, lots of plans for different guests over the next few weeks. We've also got another game. Folks named Victor. Oh God, yeah, we have. Sorry, right, folks. Oh, as if you can forget about that. I mean, that's uh, going to be well. They've just got COVID, haven't they? So who knows? Yeah, I mean, sorry, you carry on. I stole your thunder. That's fine. I'm used to it. Um, what do you reckon then, Reese? Uh, Draw. We're going to win 3 1. Okay, fair enough. Liam, do you want to go next? Uh, I was going to go for a 3 1 scoreline as well. I'll probably stick to it just because I think they'll get one goal. All right, I'm going to go 4 0. Absolutely. 
got to roll over, folks, and it's a long way. It's a long way from from Kent. Right, Tim, do you want to go last? Um, well, yeah, looks like I'm going to have to. Um, two nil, I think, depending on who we get in between now and then. But yeah, two nil. Functional. Well, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've got a few guests lined up over the next few weeks, which we're looking forward to bringing you. Thanks, everyone, for buying the fanzine. There's still some left, um, so keep heading to fearless.wales. But until uh, the next podcast, goodbye. See you. Cheers. Cheers.